what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. Welcome to A Royal Mess. These are our new episodes that will be dropping on Tuesdays that deal with just the royal family. So for this series, we're going to be talking about brands of the royal family, like their charities, like the Royal Foundation, the Prince's Trust, the Duchy Originals, etc. We're going to talk about all the royals, nobody's off the table, royal now, royal before, formal royal, uh, royal <laughs> in disgrace, lots of those. Um, well, not lots, but at least one really a few. comes to mind. A few. I mean, we can uh, start getting into like the other royal families too, like the Spanish royal family. Whew, they have a list a mile long of people in disgrace over there. So we could <laughs> dig in if we run out of Brits to talk about. I'm not sure that we will because each <laughs> week we're going to kind of give little updates on where everybody stands right now, especially the Sussexes and the Wales um, to see what kind of drama is happening uh, week to week. And uh, so I'm going to pass it over to my friend Courtney, who is our, as you know, royal aficionado, and let her give you a weekly update on what's happening with the whales and what's happening with the Sussex brand, our favorite. Yeah. So first up for the Waleses, we have just a couple little programming notes for them. Um, for the last few years, William, the Prince of Wales, has taken to the streets of London and sold copies of The Big Issue, which he did last week. The Big Issue is a monthly publication that is essentially created to like highlight the plight of unhoused people in various cities. He obviously is selling The Big Issue London edition. There's one in, I think it started in New York. They've got them in multiple countries. So inside the issue is information about legislative issues that are affecting the unhoused population, social issues, and just how people can help, what people could be doing. There's op-eds on, you know, different things organizations could be doing or how things could be impacted. And so every year for the last couple of years, William has gone out and around this time of year, around the holiday season, he's gone out, taken to the streets, and he has sold copies of The Big Issue. And one of the things about The Big Issue is that it is sold by homeless people so that the people who buy copies of it are actually kind of face-to-face with the issue that they are supporting by purchasing a copy. And so William has gone out, he has sold copies, and I don't even know if it counts as an as a official royal engagement. It's something that every year it's not announced and people find out about it because inevitably somebody posts a picture of him on social media being like, oh, hey, look who I saw on the streets. And it's one of the things he does in a private capacity that ends up becoming public. But one of William's biggest charities or biggest causes that he has supported since he was a teenager is homelessness. So the big issue is one of the things he does every year. And this year... He did it last week. Um, And then also earlier this week, we were treated to the Wales family Christmas photo, which has stirred up a bit of controversy because it looks like there may have been some Photoshopping. Oh, it's amazing. The thing is like, like people are like, oh my God, Louis is missing a finger. And like, I don't (laughs) think it is. I think it's just the way he has his hand kind of positioned on the arm of the chair. The, 
the camera just goes like right. It's just like a, a weird <laughs> angle, I think. But I don't think they photoshopped out the kid's fingers. <laughs> like, if you haven't seen it, please Google Prince Louis missing finger. It is you can't you can't unsee it. Like it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I wish once they you would see it, it's like. It. Once you see it, it's like, oh, gosh, that's very obvious. Also, if you look closely, it looks like Kate is missing a leg. Um, <laughs> like one of, But I think it's, again, like just kind of the positioning. Like I think her leg is just behind George, but you just can't see it. And so it looks like she has no leg. Um, and I, they love also went- fo- I love those Photoshop fails where like the lady's leg is backwards. And, yeah. You know, all- oh, my God, this made me laugh so hard. So it, I'm really... I'm really here for this Christmas yeah. card. And I think also the, you know, usually we get their Christmas photos and it's usually a photo that's taken, or the last few years, it's been a photo that's taken when they're on vacation or, you know, they're outside in nature somewhere. Um, most of the photos we get of the Wales family are actually outside. And this year it's a super posed, like they're all wearing the white button up shirts with um Kate and Charlotte are wearing jeans. Yeah, like it looks like it's very much like my mom made me go to Sears to take a family glamour shot (laughs) portrait, and it's just so yes. yes. I mean, everybody looks gorgeous. They are they're all beautiful, but it's like I don't know. It reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite. Did you see that movie? Oh heck yeah! Who hasn't seen that movie? Um, I know. Yeah, Pedro. Boat Pedro. Anyway, uh, I think I I think my daughter who would have been a baby when that came out, uh, had that t-shirt for a while. Anyway. Uh, really? Yeah, it's- I was in high school when that came out. Your daughter would have had a t-shirt that said Vote Pedro? Oh, well, you know, they did all those vintage t-shirts where you can get like almost any movie, any t-shirt or whatever. Yeah, So yeah. I think I got it at like Old Navy, you know, oh, five, how six funny. years ago. Oh, yeah. How funny. Oh, she um, has so many Rolling Stones and The Grateful Dead and Pink Floyd. Well, and I mean, those make sense. Those are iconic. Vote Pedro. <laughs> it's <laughs> iconic. Really it's the same. <laughs> oh, no. It was iconic. That that t-shirt and Napoleon, That's a, that movie's a classic. Um, there is a I fantastic- haven't seen it in so long. Now I want to go watch it, like right now. <laughs> oh yeah, so good. There's a this uh, web shop. It's called like eightiestees.com or something like that, and it has all of your very favorite like eighties, nineties, early two thousands like cartoons and movies and sayings oh. and bands. I freaking love it, and they're all officially licensed, so they're not like you know stealing brands and whatever. Um, oh, but, fun. Yeah, cool. it's awesome. I have a, a an awesome like Jaws T-shirt that it says um, says Amity Surf Surf Shop, I think, or something like that. And then it's like a surfboard with like a big jaw, you know, shark bite out of the middle. It's so cute. Oh. I wear it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'll send you a picture. It's good times. Okay. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> circling back. <laughs> so yeah, so back to the Waleses. Um, so they have their their Christmas photo, which is just straight out of like a Sears <laughs> a Sears glamour shot. But everybody looks beautiful. It. So a, a lot of people are, as the Brits would say, a lot of people are taking the piss. But I think it's a lovely photo. And I'm just happy that we get their photos every year. Um, and also the king and queen released their Christmas photo. And it is a coronation photo that we hadn't previously seen of them in all of their regalia. And they're just looking very regal and refined and stately. very formal yeah um which is funny because usually with um charles and camilla in the past we've gotten 
photos that are a little bit more informal with the two of them. Um, but obviously this year they went for the keepsake photo, right? So sure, everybody who's getting the photo is getting a coronation photo. And then also this week in Wales world, <laughs> we had Catherine took George, Charlotte, and Louis with her to the Baby Bank, which is part of an initiative that goes with her early years foundation and all of the things that she is doing with um, early childhood initiatives. And so the kids and Catherine helped put presents together for children in the Windsor area who may not be having the most spectacular Christmas this year. And a lot of people think, you know, oh, if somebody lives in Windsor, they must be very well off because, you know, Windsor Castle's right there and it is a pretty posh area. But the representatives from the Baby Bank actually said that they, most of their assistance that they provide is to the local area. So they were able to, you know, help out their neighbors essentially because they do live in Windsor. Um, so they were able to help out their neighbors and the kids put together some presents for children who are in need. And it was the reps from Baby Bank said that Charlotte was, you know, she was very methodical. She had this like whole system. She knew exactly. She had a plan going in and they let the kids create packages for other children their own ages so that they would know kind of what those kids were into and what gifts would be good for, you know, a like Louis put together a gift for other five-year-olds because he knows what other five-year-old boys like. And so it was just very cute. Charlotte had her whole system. Louis was just being Louis and just kind of very excited to see all the toys. And he ran right over to a big King Kong toy and was like, wow, this is huge. And he was just very excited. Um, and then Prince George has already made a comment that he would like to do it again. He loved helping out. He wants to come back. So this was actually, Catherine had made the promise to take the kids to help a few months ago when she, I believe when she was opening the baby bank or she was at another engagement there. And she said she was really excited to take the kids. And so she did. And she also took with her um, the videographer from who works – I don't think he works exclusively for Kensington Palace, but he works very frequently with Kensington Palace. His name is Will War, and he creates some gorgeous little short videos. Um, he did the coronation behind the scenes, and he did a video for their visit to Baby Bank. So you can check that out. I'll drop a link in our show notes, and it's just a really cute video of – George, Charlotte, Louis, and Catherine putting together packages. And it's also a little bit of a tearjerker. It's so, so sweet. I loved it so much. It was so sweet. Yeah. I love to wonderful. watch little kids shop for other little kids. I don't know why that's so affecting to me, but I just, I love to watch little kids who are like in the spirit of giving. It just, I don't know. It just gives me faith in humanity. I love to watch that. <laughs> I know. It's so sweet to see them. And I think also seeing the royal kids, anytime we see them kind of not just like doing something that's normal, but doing something that kind of shows their awareness of their position and that they're in a position to help um, and shows them being very enthusiastic about helping. I just really like that because I think that, you know, we've said in the past how Diana and Charles, they tried so hard to make William and Harry normal, which is a really hard thing to do for royals. And it kind of has backfired with Harry a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but just seeing George, Charlotte and Louis understand their position and also 
doing something that is kind of a normal thing to do and doing it so, I don't know, I'm always so impressed. Like they've got a camera crew following them, right? They've got all of these people who are, you know, so excited to see them, little children, and they always just handle it with such, I don't know, maturity and grace. They just, yeah. Yeah. And you can just kind of see that. I don't know. It looks like they're going to grow into their roles in a very respectable way. I don't foresee the problems that we've been having recently (laughs) following this next generation. I mean, they all seem like good kids to me. Clearly I'm not living in their house and I'm not parenting them in any way, but they all seem sweet and kind. And I love that Mm -hmm. they allow Louis to be, I mean, already a little hellion and I love it. I'm so here. Yeah. I think it's so cute. It's so um, funny because I mean, be we really he's fifteen, but we really see their personalities too. I mean, it's funny because George has always, since he was a baby, and we saw you know the first time he went out on tour, he looked kind of serious, kind of reserved, in the same way that his father is. You know, he's a little bit skeptical, a little bit cynical, um, and then we see Louis, who is just you know. I look at Louis and I have a kid who's exactly his same age. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's what's happening in my house. Like Louis is just kind of fun. And I don't know, seems like he's a little bit of a whirlwind and it's like, yep, that's a normal five-year-old, six-year-old boy. And then you've got Charlotte who seems like she is just ruling the roost over there. And you always see her. She's kind of like, even with George, even though George is older, like she'll remind him of what to do and where to stand and how to hold his hands and, you you could tell like Charlotte is – she's just like sitting in that house with those two boys being like, oh, God, like these boys can't get anything right. I have to do everything myself. And she really is the one in charge, I think. Okay. So that is our update on the Waleses. They've had a very productive, very cute week. Um, and now moving into an update on the Sussexes because – it wouldn't be an episode of the brand breakdown if we didn't talk about our favorite royal couple. Um, <laughs> and by we favorite, have... we mean favorite to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ones who provide us with the most drama and gossip. So, um, so there's two. We'll call it two and a half. Pretty major updates with the Sussexes. The first update came out this morning, and that is that the R12 Foundation released their annual report showing that they had about an $11 million drop in donations over the past year, which is quite substantial, especially because I think, and I could be wrong, but I think last year their donation haul was like $13 million. And so then to have an $11 million drop means like almost 100% drop. Um, And tell me how we know this. Is this like public knowledge or what? Yeah, they, they released their annual report. So this is straight from their offices. They released an annual report that includes their accounting. Um, Last year, they showed that their donations, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but they had shown that their donations came in around, I think like $13 million. But one of the donations was a single lump sum donation of 10 million. And people speculated that that was a donation from Harry himself to kind of get the foundation up and running. And... Now they've had I an eleven. Can't tell mil- that that's got to be disclosed if it's a five hundred one c three, right? I don't, don't think they, they have, have to disclose, disclose who the donor is. They just disclose. 
that there was an amount. Um, but it didn't disclose who the specific donor was. Gotcha. Um, and then this year they've had an $11 million drop. So essentially <laughs> Harry not donating his $10 million lump sum isn't great for business. And they're also a, almost $700,000 in the red. So they are essentially a nonprofit that is – hemorrhaging money and not raising funds to be really donated anywhere, which I don't think anybody is surprised by because we've seen the work that the Archwell Foundation has done and it has been almost nothing. Yeah, because- I'm just wondering, what are they doing besides having meetings where they talk? Like, what's the actual, the rubber meets the red? Um, yeah, I don't really know. So, Last year as part, and I haven't had a chance, this was released this morning, so I haven't had a chance to go through it, but last year in their annual report, they documented that Harry and Meghan each worked one hour per week on foundation work, so they're not really doing that much work. Um, They, last year- How many hours a week? Say that again. One. One hour per week. So each of them worked 52 hours for the year um, on foundation work. What? Yeah, so it was such that a weird even thing. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah, it was such a weird thing in. to like document because it's like, why would you want to tell people that? <laughs> like, why would you want that to be public information that they're not even doing anything? Um, and so we know that, you know, during when COVID was at its peak, kind of they were doing some vaccine initiatives. I think they donated some money to a couple different vaccine awareness organizations. They have donated money in the past to World Kitchen. So they've done a few little charitable initiatives, but they're not making any huge impacts in terms of, A, large monetary donations or grants that they're providing in the way that the Royal Foundation does, and B... They're not doing anything that's garnering so much press attention that it's boosting the profile of an organization they're supporting. For example, this thing that Catherine just did with the kids and the baby bank. Like that appearance that they did in this little one and a half minute long video that was produced has given so much no um so much publicity to the organization that people are going to go on their website, people are going to make donations, people are going to look into everything. And Megan and Harry don't do anything like that. They don't pick a charity and show up and like create this huge media storm around it that just, you know, makes an impact. And so it's just interesting to see that Archwell Foundation itself is not really doing well. And maybe that is, I don't really know how nonprofits work. So maybe that is something that's kind of expected and not out of the norm. But anyway, their annual report left something to be desired. That's that's sad and uh, a little unexpected since they fall on the sword of, you know, service work. Um, so that doesn't make sense to me either. I don't really yeah. know what they are doing i don't really i don't really know what they're doing i don't really get it i think that initially r12 foundation was supposed to be similar to the royal foundation because the royal foundation was originally the royal foundation of prince william and prince harry and then it was the royal foundation of 
the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Prince Harry. And then, (laughs) I don't know why they did this. It cracks me up. It was the Royal Foundation of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And now it's just back to being the the Royal Foundation because Harry and Meghan left. But I think what their intention was was to set up a foundation that was similar. The Royal Foundation gives a lot of grant money. The Royal Foundation makes some donations. It takes in a lot of money every year because people donate right to it. But also, the Royal Foundation is what supports Earthshot Prize. It's what supports Catherine's Early Years Center. It supports the various charitable organizations and entities that William and Catherine support together as patrons. And so it's kind of this consolidation of their efforts. And so I think that's what Archwell Foundation was like absolutely supposed to be. The problem is they don't get any money into it and they're not actually putting any money out other than paying a staff of people. (laughs) So I think they had a good idea. I think their intentions were noble, but I don't think they executed on it very well at all because it appears to be floundering. And again, I haven't had a chance to go through the entire report, so maybe there's stuff in there that is good, but right now I'm just, you know, $11 million drop in donations and being almost $700,000 in the red. Not a great, not a great year end for them on the foundation side of things. Well, and now Harry's been ordered to pay what, 50,000 pounds for the court staff. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So now in addition to having a bad year in the business world, um, in one of Harry's many lawsuits, the Daily Mail was saying he was intentionally trying to mislead people about his security issues. And they had made this claim in an article, and Harry hit back and said, no, I, I've never been trying to intentionally mislead people. And it was specifically regarding his offer to pay for Royal Protection Officers or Met Officers privately, which is something that just doesn't happen. The... Um, RAVEC, R-A-V-E-C, which is the UK version of Homeland Security, essentially. They are the ones who make decisions about who receives protection officers. They have specifically came out and said, you know, you can't rent, like this isn't a rent-a-cop situation. Nobody can just rent a Met officer as their protection officer. We don't let celebrities do it. We don't let, you know, dignitaries do it or politicians People are assigned a protection officer based on their security threat and whether or not it is, you know, essential for the government to be protecting them. And Harry, when when the Daily Mail published an article that said something about him intentionally trying to mislead people about his security issues, Harry hit back with a lawsuit. Just one of many. He's just kind of suing everybody. And Harry said he was never trying to mislead the public. He was just trying to make a case for getting security. And... It turns out that not only has there never been a formal offer to pay for security, which, again, wouldn't have been allowed anyway, it turns out that through all of this drama about the Sussex's security being taken away and Meghan and Harry alluding to the fact that this was because um, like their children wouldn't have security because their children would be biracial because, again, this all started before their children were even born, um, it turns out that When Meghan and Harry left their positions as working royals, the late queen, Queen Elizabeth, actually had her private secretary write to Ravek 
and say that she hoped they could keep their security. She did believe he was at risk. It was important to her that Harry and his family were provided with protection. And Ravex still made the decision that no, there is not enough of a security threat to warrant the government picking up this multi-million pound um, line item every year for people who are no longer working royals and, more importantly, people who no longer are even in the country. However, Ravex had decided that upon their return to the UK, their security needs would be reviewed on a case-by-case basis. If the Sussexes were planning on coming back to the UK and there was some sort of credible threat, they may be given security during that particular instance that they were back in the country. So now we're finding out four years later that this whole thing about stripping the Sussexes of their security, which they've tried to make seem like this like intentional issue and this like racist issue, the late queen actually went to bat for them and requested that the government leave them with their security and the government said no which we knew that the government was the ones who said no we knew that it had nothing to do with the actual royal family because that wasn't a decision for the royal family to make but now it's actually been confirmed in a court of law with documentation and proof that the royal family petitioned the government to let them keep their security so once again harry and Meghan coming out of things just not looking stellar and also having to pay $60,000 or 50,000 pounds in legal fees to the Daily Mail because they have lost this <laughs> this part of a lawsuit. And this is just one portion of the larger ongoing lawsuit about their security overall. So just another instance of things not really going in Harry and Meghan's favor, unfortunately. I also saw an article yesterday or today talking about that, you know, remember when Megan said she didn't get any support when she was pregnant and didn't get any support, like knowing all the things that she needed to do. Apparently she had an intense amount of support and help, not only with um, learning how to be a royal, but also during her pregnancy. Um, I don't have any proof of that. I just read it in the articles, but I read multiple articles because then I fell down a rabbit hole. But anyway, I I just think that that's interesting that from her perspective, she got no support. But on the other end, the family says, we gave you all this support. Mm -hmm. So um, I just, you know, there are people in this world, and I'm not saying that she's one of them. I'm not saying Harry's one of them. I'm just saying there are people in this world where it doesn't matter how much you pour into them or love them or show them support. It never feels like enough. Like they have this, their own hole and their psyche or their Mm -hmm. soul or their body or whatever and you just can't fill it nobody can fill it right Uh, no amount of anything can fill it and it sometimes feels a little bit like that's happening with them as a couple and them individually i don't know if that's true i have no idea i'm not i'm not in their life i'm just saying that (laughs) you're not close personal friends (laughs) we are not close personal friends i'm just saying that perspectives based on interviews that they've given seem very different from perspectives from what other people say was happening at the time. Yeah. I think that, I think part of it is like you said, like it'll never be enough. No matter what happens, it will never be enough for them because their expectation is that going all the way back to kind of like the brand of Harry or whatever, he expects to be equal to his brother. And he's not. He is not the future king. He will never be equal in terms of their jobs. And so it will never be enough because he will never get that 
level of whatever it is, support, notoriety, importance. Um, But I also think that Harry and Meghan have kind of, like, they've made their, they made their whole brand on, like, we are going to be the, like, we're going to be the breath of fresh air to the monarchy. We're going to make such a huge difference. We're going to make a huge impact, and we're going to do it our way. And there's been a lot of talk recently in the last couple days of one of the things that Omid had said in the book, Endgame, was that, you know, uh, Kate was coachable. And he called her Katie Keene. And he said that, you know, the royal family really liked her because she was so coachable and she was so keen to just do whatever they said. And he said this as if it was a bad thing. And that, you know, Megan wasn't like this. And Megan is stronger than that. And she's more independent. And she's not as coachable as Catherine. This isn't this isn't like a verbatim quote. The word coachable is the quote. Um, but he says that, you know, Catherine was, quote, Catherine was coachable and that's a negative. But in my opinion, when you are doing a job, you should be coachable. Like, I don't want a brain surgeon coming at me and being like, I'm just going to do whatever I want with this scalpel and I'm not going to listen to anything any of my professors or my fellows or the residents overseers or however the heck becoming a doctor works. Like, I'm not going to listen to what they say. I'm just going to do it my way. Like, no, I want somebody who listened and took advice and followed the proper procedures and protocols. And yes, royal engagements are not brain surgery, but there's nothing wrong with being coachable when it comes to your job. And Harry and Meghan and Omid apparently see this as a bad thing. And they see like striking out on your own and doing it your way as the right way. And it's like sometimes that's not – like, yes, sometimes it is good to do things your own way. And if you have a better way that you could suggest and that people could take a look at and be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That is more efficient. That's faster. That makes more sense. Cool. But you can't just start doing whatever you want and then get mad when people are like, hey, 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 we don't <laughs> – that's not the way we operate here. And I think that Harry and Meghan, it was just never going to be enough. The, they could have had literally the queen giving Meghan private princess lessons, and she still would have said it wasn't it wasn't enough support for her. And we do know that there were certain members of the household, as in people who work for the royal family, who were assigned to help Meghan when she first became a member of the family. And it just seems that she didn't. She didn't want help, and she never wanted it to work. I I have the – I'm under the impression, and I'm on the side, that, like, Meghan and Harry never wanted it to work. They wanted to do it their way and everyone else be damned because it was either their way or the highway. And so they never really gave it the effort that they should have because they didn't think they were required to give it effort, if that makes any sense. Well, I think Harry didn't – wasn't – my way or the highway until he met up with Megan. Cause it seemed like he was doing just fine on his own, helping mm-hmm. Catherine and William and doing all that before Megan came on board. So I don't know if I feel like he was doing the things and then they got together and then he was no longer doing the things. Exactly. I think pre Megan Harry's way was the Royal way. Like, he he understood the processes and the protocols and the procedures and why we do things the way we do them. And so he was on board with just, you know, small incremental changes at modernization. And 
understanding the hierarchy and the importance of supporting the monarch and all of that. And I think when Megan came along, she was kind of like, wait, why? And I think she took all of his insecurities and all of his, you know, if he ever felt self-conscious about not being as constitutionally important as his brother, or if he ever felt a little bit insecure about his position within the royal household in terms of, you know, not being the head guy in charge at Kensington Palace, she kind of took those insecurities and whispered in his ear a little bit about, you know, well, why shouldn't you be in charge? Why does your brother get to be the one who gets all the glory and you just have to play second fiddle? And I think she played into that a bit. And I think prior to her, Harry was willing to, like willing, ready and able to go with the flow and be on the side of the monarchy. And I think she kind of twisted his head a little bit for better or for worse remains to be seen, I guess. We'll see how everything shakes out with them, but it's been four years and it doesn't seem like it's <laughs> going well. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we have our predictions. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm super interested to keep up on, on these things and, you know, bring you guys uh, weekly doses of Harry and Meghan and Catherine and William and the latest Royals in the news, because I find it very interesting to see all the articles that are continuing to pop up based on not only the book, which I think has turned out to be a disaster, not only for Scobie, but for um, the Sussexes as well. And then all the stories that are being spawned by that, what the Royal family is now doing to cover Catherine and William in love and support, not only with this engagement that they just did, but in a million other little ways, you know, they're, the, the support that Meghan and Harry really wanted, it appears that Catherine and William are getting. Um, yeah. Well, and I think part of that is because Catherine and William aren't fighting the system every step of the way, right? Like the the men in gray suits are willing to provide as much assistance as is necessary and needed to help the monarchy be successful. But if you're going to work against the monarchy, they're not going to help you do that. And so Harry and Meghan didn't, want to be successful. They didn't want to make it work. And so like, yeah, William and Catherine are going to get all the help they need, not just because of their constitutional positions as the future monarchs, but because they are actively trying to further the goals of the institution of the monarchy and what that stands for in terms of, you know, state relations, but also what that stands for in terms of like charitable things and all of their PR stuff that they do for the monarchy and for the country. Whereas Meghan and Harry were like, hey, we just want to burn it all down. And the palace was like, no, no, not going to help you do that. <laughs> it did kind of feel like they wanted to burn it all down. Like when they didn't get what they wanted, they just mm -hmm. set fire to the monarchy and then themselves. It's so yep. weird. Yeah. Um, they just, they literally, like that phrase, like, you know, they, what is it? They bit their nose to spite their face. Like oh, they, they just cut off their nose. To they're spite cut their off face. their nose to yeah. They cut off their nose to spite their face. Like they were unhappy, so everybody else was going to be unhappy. And like, who cares if that even makes sense? You know, like they they burned every single bridge because they were so unhappy and they didn't get what they wanted. But then they kind of forgot that, like you can't undo that. Like the things that they did, they can't go back and just be like, oh okay, like just forget about it. It's over. 
And they like seem to have also forgotten like this isn't just impacting the two of them. It's impacting their two children who now have no relationship with anyone in their entire family. And all I ever think about – And no future in the monarchy either. Right. I think so much about – can you imagine, right? You're a little kid and you grow up and you realize that your grandfather is the king and then – your uncle is the king and your first cousin is the king and they are living in literal palaces and they are traveling the world and like they are living this crazy amazing life that is literally the stuff that people could only dream of can you imagine the therapy bill when you realize that you were also entitled to that life and like not even taking into consideration the therapy bill of realizing that you have this whole family that you don't know that you missed out on all of these experiences with your cousins and your aunts and uncles and your grandparents and like the damage that has to do to a kid. But just can you imagine if you found out you were supposed to be growing up on the Windsor estate and Balmoral in the summer and Sandringham in the winter (laughs) and then you were like, oh, wait, you kept that from me because you had like a little temper tantrum? Like you ruined my whole life because you didn't get your way? Well, so I think that the way Megan will and Harry maybe will present it is those people are bad. We're good. And we're, we, we've saved you the therapy of having um, to, to realize that you're a Royal and what that entails. So they'll spin the story so that those kids grow up believing that the monarchy is bad and that what they're doing is good. I a hundred percent think that's what will happen. But when they're adults, that's when, when they go off to college or, you know, they have adult thoughts and adult feelings and can reason. Once right. they're able to reason, then they can say like, but wait a second, you robbed me of my birthright. Right. Like, let me make that did- decision on right. my own. Right. They were truly robbed of their birthright. And it's yeah. not like a normal birthright. It's not like it was, it's not like me, you know, my mom's like, oh, well, your, your dad was English. You know, you could have grown up in England. Yeah, but I wasn't royal. Like, it's right. okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. Like, I did fine. I feel good about it. It's, it's you know, I'm just a normal everyday person. They're not normal everyday people. Those kids are, are you know, royal kids. And right. they, I, I think they at least deserve to know their family, at least that. Uh, mm-hmm. And they do, and they will not, and they do not, and they will miss out on experiences and culture that is a you know two thousand years, three thousand years in the making, and they're going to miss all of it. But they won't be able to make the decision for themselves to go back into the royal fold, which I think they could possibly do long term. They mm-hmm. could break away from their parents and say, "Hey, we're going to go to Oxford or Cambridge or Leeds or wherever in England, and then we're going to join uh, the." palace and we're going to be working royals and you can't do anything about it yeah i yeah i think that that will i mean honestly i think this i think what will happen this is my little prediction that i hope happens is that when the kids are old enough to go to school charles will say i will pay for them to go to the best schools that money can buy let's send archie to eaton and let's send a little bit to marlborough and let's send these kids to the best schools that money can buy and they will be in the UK and they will get to know their cousins who are also going to school there. And they will, you know, they will spend time with their British family. And the condition is like they go to school here. You know, I, I think because it, it listen, it looks like the Sussexes are hemorrhaging money at this point. Like at some point, Charles is going to be able to swoop in and be like, hey, I can solve this problem for you because I have the money to fix the problems that you guys are having. And 
Maybe the parents won't benefit quite as much from it, but I think he would do it for his grandkids in a second, you know? Well, I don't think Megan is going to let those kids go to boarding school. I went to boarding school. I loved it. It was a fantastic experience. A lot of my family members went. It was wonderful. I don't think she's going to allow those kids to go to boarding school, and which is a shame because boarding school is fantastic. I love it. It's like Harry Potter without the magic. Um <laughs> So I highly recommend it, but I don't think she's going to allow them to do that because she's going to say, you know, public education was good enough for me. Although she didn't have a public education. She didn't. She She went to private school. Yeah. Starting in kindergarten, Um, she attended private school. And so I think that, and you know, maybe it's not like they go to boarding school, but I bet Charles comes through and he says, listen, let, like you want your kids to have the best of everything. They come to England. You know what I mean? Like you guys move back and Harry's kind of already insinuated that he wants to be back in England. He said in a statement recently that for now. Um, yeah, exactly. He said they're they're home for now. <laughs> so we had heard the rumors about him wanting an invitation to Sandringham for Christmas. I think they're gonna be back and I think that hopefully they realize that whatever feelings they have about their life as working royals, I think they I hope Harry and Meghan can somehow be smart enough and compassionate enough and empathetic enough and have enough forethought to look at their kids and say, like, they still have a family and we shouldn't rob them of, like, forgetting the, like, royal trappings of it all. They should be allowed to make their own decision about their cousins. You know, like, George, Charlotte, and Louis are not bad people. They haven't made – they've done nothing to – Harry and Meghan, their children. So like Archie and Lilibet should be allowed to play with their cousins and they should be allowed to grow up at least with like some sort of family around them. And I yeah, hope they're very isolated. All they've got is the mother-in-law, right? Or the mother, yeah, Meghan's they have, mom. They've got Doria and I'm sure she's great. She seems like a wonderful woman, but also like what? She can't make only, up a whole entire family. <laughs> right. Like their only companion for family is going to be a 60 something year old woman you know what I mean like they're kids they and I'm sure they have a lot of friends their age and Megan and Harry have you know friends who have kids their age but I don't know everybody needs cousins I I grew up in a big family I'm so close to my cousins and my sisters and like I just can't imagine if I had grown up not knowing them at all you know like I don't know it just makes me sad for them that they don't have that (laughs) well Hopefully they will do the right thing and everybody will, you know, get together and make amends. And, you know, that's what we hope for them and our crystal ball of hoping um, that they will someday make amends and allow their kids to know their cousins. So we'll keep we'll keep thinking about that and sending good vibes for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, you guys. So um, next week we're going to start talking about um, Kate Uh, when she was Kate Middleton and we will talk about her as Kate Middleton next week, even though she's Catherine, the princess of Wales now. Right. Um, But we're going to talk about what she was like when she was younger and how she met William. And, and we're going to talk about her early years um, from the time she was little up through college and then dating William and everything that entailed and her ups and downs, because she had some ups and downs that were not necessarily her fault, but she had them anyway. So we're going to be discussing that next week. If you guys have anything you um, are anxiously awaiting for us to talk about, please drop it in the comments or send us a, um, a message because we want to do what you want. Uh, 
Otherwise, you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye.